I am Alon Ben Mir, and welcome to another episode of On the Issues. My guest today is Ajmal Khan Zazi, tribal leader and paramount chief of Paktia province in Afghanistan. As a tribal leader, he works to bring an end to insurgency and corruption in Afghanistan and support a process to bring peace, stability, and prosperity to all Afghans. You can find his full bio on the page for this episode. So we, we have different views about the role of the Taliban based on what I heard yeah, from you. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Sure. And something, I'm not suggesting we're going to change the world, yeah. or we're going to change the future of Afghanistan, yeah. but it's going to be discussion uh, from an outsider who is looking into it rather than somebody from within looking out. But you have both experiences. You have it from within yes. and you have it from without. Yes. And that's why I'm, I said it's complementary. You. You, your views matter a great deal. Matters more though than ordinary Afghani who just with, with the blinders yes. looking straight forward. That's the difference. So I'm grateful to you Thank for you. taking the time to spend here. And you are now in Abu Dhabi. No, I'm in Dubai. But in Dubai, I mean. Family's in Dubai. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I would. I, I promise you this. You're not gonna get rid of me. When I'm there, I'm gonna call you. <laughs> we will of have, course. We'll have. We'll have lunch. But you need to let me know before because I'm traveling. Of course. So when you are in, coming to Dubai, so I can come from uh, Kabul and I'll be in Dubai for that Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Because my wife and kids are there in yeah, Dubai. Yeah. And yeah. my son is studying in London. Uh -huh. uh, software engineering. He's gonna graduate uh -huh. this. Right. May or June, right, right. and so I'm pretty much between the three areas. Uh -huh. That's London, Dubai, and I, Kabul. Uh -huh. So that uh, uh -huh. states, I once in a blue moon. <laughs> That's right. Where did you go to school? In Afghanistan, and then I went to Canada for five years. Back so in, where, which, which you went to university in, in Toronto? No, I haven't finished university there. Um, I went to a Herzing Institute with a microcomputer. Science. Uh -huh, I studied uh -huh. that three years, uh -huh. which was really boring stuff, and I didn't know what I was getting into, and I wasn't qualified for it. But I studied it. <laughs> so no, no. I, I'd love to get some of your background in this. Do you mind? Sure. Uh, okay, because because your background is very fascinating to me. Thank you. Uh, being a son of the tribal leader, am I right? Yes. Indeed. And you have assumed his role in that tribe um, after his assassination in two thousand. Um, he was assassinated. Yes, oh, and I'm then that uh, happens. Life is a is a very harsh reality. And then in uh, 2004, the tribes were encouraging me and pushing me in order to take the role of my father. Yes, uh, my father was a resistance leader. Um, he was fighting against the Russians, and I was 16 years old. While doing schools, I was still, you know, going to Afghanistan fighting, which my father never is never stopped me from doing that because it was a popular uprising against the uh, invasion of the Russians. And the name of the tribe that uh, your father came from? Yeah, it's a Zazi tribes. We are Zazi. In Zazi. Okay. Uh, we are in uh, Paktia province, uh, uh -huh. just beneath Tora Bora. I think that's a world famous address. Oh God, yes, Tora Bora. So we are just beneath it. And back in 96 and, uh, 1986 and 87, uh, till about 90, uh, bin Laden had groups uh, in my valley and then back in 95 and 96 those uh, caves which he built 
in the 80s, they were revived and many, many uh, fighters came from all around the world. And we learned to our resources that, you know, these guys are planning something outside and probably in the Europe or elsewhere. Um, so my father was very close with uh, friends from the United Kingdom because my father was a businessman and he used to uh, travel. He notified the governments there about these plot, about these foreign agendas, these people, they have it, but no one took a notice of it in, in the West until we saw 9-11 happen. Right, right. right. Uh, my father, after the tribes wanted uh, me to take a role, but for me to take a role, uh, just to take a role wasn't enough. I had to prove to my people that, you know, whatever my father promised back in the 80s, he was promising, not promising, but he was, his vision was to build schools, clinics, roads, small factories, uh, revive the forestry for our area, and then slowly and gradually take this to other provinces and prosper the country and the people. Uh, but unfortunately, there was no aid, uh, no help. Whatever small little help was coming from the United Nations, he was managing it, but uh -huh. it wasn't enough. Right, but right. 2004, I spoke to my friend, Steve Shawless. I think you met him today. I said, we need to do something about this country in this area. And in 2008, we, he was able to get contracts from USAID in order to do the community development projects. And, you know, he called me up and said, listen, there is something which is similar to your father's dream. And that was really crucial work, which we did from 2008 to 2012. And we were talking about it last night. Yes, we spoke about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It is essential. And then alone we have employed about 46,000 people build canals to have better irrigation system and then helped a lot of schools to refurbish them and hospitals and, and public areas which they're using. And also we built a lot of retaining walls in order to save the, the agriculture land from the floods. Uh, once you do that, you're providing a sustainable income for those villagers uh -huh. and things. So it was very, very crucial, but unfortunately the USAID cut their funds back in 2012 and for unknown reason. And what we wanted to do is to continue the course and make sure that, you know, we went hearts and minds through this way. But yeah. in a way, I also fulfilled my, my dad's dreams, which was extremely important for me. Um, and I prove it to my tribes and the communities that, you know, the vision could not die. It will continue. If the father can't do it, the son will do it. If the son cannot do it, the tribe, someone will do it. But the vision is important. And the vision was to revive the country, prosper the country. Exactly right. You have brothers, sisters? I have a brother. Um, I have two sisters. I have a son, three daughters, one wife. All right. <laughs> That's great. Well, all the best to you. I wish them all the best. Thank you. And, and uh, you are a gentleman's gentleman. Thank you I so really much. Mean it. it was a Appreciate great it. pleasure for me to have a conversation with you yesterday. Now I feel far more excited. <laughs> And talking about it, you know, the question of, of Afghanistan, I must admit, I have not spent as much time looking into the conflict in Afghanistan as much as about the conflict in Turkey or the Israeli-Palestinian or Syria or Iraq, Sunni, Shiite, all of that. Uh, because I'm in the field of conflict resolution, you know, international negotiation and conflict resolution, and try to find ways by which, how do you diffuse conflict? And what, is, what does it take to defuse conflict? Uh, and, and in looking at Afghanistan, a number of things come to my mind. I began about a year or so ago to equate it 
to the Vietnam syndrome. And to me, the Vietnam syndrome is that, is it winnable war against the Taliban? Can actually any central government in Afghanistan, with or without the support of the United States or the international community, can in fact end this conflict by defeating the Taliban? And I would like to begin this conversation with you with this question. What is it going to take? I mean, this war was run away raging but from 2001, 16 years. Yes. 16 years. Very long. And if anything, I don't think uh, things are improving much. It's gone worse. And, and, and uh, if anything, is Al-Qaeda is back to some extent, yes. perhaps not with the same force, but they are back there. And now you have other extremists converging into Afghanistan, including ISIS. So ISIS may be defeated in Syria and Iraq, physically defeated, but they are not going to be defeated ideologically, and they are already planting cells just about everywhere, including Afghanistan. So the question, you know, I'd like to look at it much more from a much larger perspective, not just Taliban versus the government, but all the other elements involved. I'm sorry to make this long presentation, but I want to get to the point where where you started the speech, which is very, I, I listened very carefully, and that is reliance on outside powers to get much deeper involved into trying to fashion a solution. My concern with that, as I've been talking about about Syria, for example, you have so many players have vested interest in what in the outcome of the civil war in Syria. You have Iran, you have Turkey, you have the United States, you have Russia, you have Saudi Arabia, you have other Gulf states, you have too many players, not to speak of scores of various extremist groups in Syria itself, as Hezbollah on the other hand, the Syrian army. Each of these players have a different interest. Some converge, some don't converge, some actually opposing to one another. So when I'm asked about Syria, I say, don't hold your breath because you have so many players with so much difference in their approach and what they want to achieve and what is their vested interest. This is going to take more than just let's sit down and talk. So I want to begin this conversation with you about Afghanistan is it, to some extent similar. Perhaps there are less players, but you still have China, you have Iran, you have Pakistan, you have the United States. To some extent, still Russia is, uh, is playing around, and you have other other countries. So the question is, do you really feel strongly that the power to be, they say, specifically Russia and the United States, but you cannot really exclude Iran because of proximity and Iran ambition, uh, or concern, I should even say, or Pakistan, who have very heavy stakes in the outcome. Where do we go from here? Let me explain that because it's a very widespread question. Yes, uh, question. Yeah. No, actually, I just wanted to tell you my views first, <laughs> sure, so, so that we begin the discussion on this. Yeah, I'd like to spread a little bit about what happened in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. There's 35 CIA operators who defeated Taliban, not 140,000 troops to begin with. The military built-up in Afghanistan was initially a wrong decision, which was made by the NATO countries and United States and the United Kingdom. There was no need for a, such a high belt of military to patrol the streets in the villages and towns. 
Oh, exactly, because 35 CIA operators defeated the Taliban entirely in 27 days. It was B-52 bombers. Dismantling Taliban, a proper government, wasn't a very easy job, but these guys did it with technology and some help from within the Afghan communities and some of the warlords were helping yeah, them. Yeah. So when they were defeated, there was a time that the Taliban kind of vanished in Afghanistan and they, some of them ran away to Pakistan and Pakistan they were also hiding. 2004 election, which we conducted uh, for President Karzai, overwhelmingly people of Afghanistan being refugees in Pakistan voted for President Karzai. According to some of his estimates, we had a million votes coming from Pakistan where the refugee, Afghan refugee camps and they voted. So there was enormous amount of hope for the future of the country. What exactly went wrong? So no one is identifying what went wrong and we keep with the, continuing with the problem of the Taliban and ISIS and so forth. Democracy is a good thing, but democracy, as I mentioned before, is supposed to be serving the interests of the people because it's for the people and it's by the people. That's what democracy is all about. In Afghanistan, when they brought democracy, introduced democracy through a process of bon agreement, which first, that was very weak and not a proper way to enforce or, or to bring a government. Because in Afghanistan, we understand one thing, decisive, to be very decisive, to be very clear, not to manipulate situation, not to prolong things. Because when you prolong things, when you manipulate situations, People don't understand it. They're very straightforward. They like to see results. What happened is that they brought a transitional government from, you know, temporary government and then, you know, approving the constitution. But the process of democracy were giving in the hands of the warlords and the criminals. So initially, when we had President Karzai, he was uh, educated in, in India and he lived in the United States. He was a westernized Afghan. But his capabilities were incapacitated he was told to work with the warlords and the criminals. And to a point, his hands were tied as well. He had to leave these criminals to run the country, to be part of his cabinet. And at a point, these people were becoming in charge. Even his, he was threatened, by, they threatened him to kill him. Then he had American bodyguards and so forth. The United States of America and NATO countries, they did not enforce or bring a strong an Afghan to run the country in a proper way. And when I say strong, it means uncorrupted, clean organization, clean government, and also to bring justice to people. Don't forget that in 1990 to 1992, these warlords and criminals were sitting in the Karzai government before and also in Ashrafani government today, they have killed innocent women and children in Kabul just to get the power. So. This needs a proper study and analysis here, but these are the main points. It's like an example I'll give you if Vice President of the United States is John Gotti, the criminal, the mafia gangster, and Al Capone is, you know, national security advisor, and all the 52 states' governors are from Gambino families. What will be the fate of America? That's perfect. Uh... Analogy. <laughs> yeah. So what exactly happened? Even Gambino families are not that dangerous that we have the warlords because the warlords they have the army and you know the orders of a day is in their command. 
we had a situation like this. Karzai tried to convince, you know, his Western partners, but I think no one listened to him. And then that continued. Back in 2006, the insurgency, the pockets, the insurgency became pockets of resistance. A small group of people there putting a bomb into the American convoy, blowing up the convoy. So the war started. 2007 and 8, things went a little bit out of, not out of control, but the insurgency, that the pocket of resistance turned into insurgency. Then in 2009 and 10, you know, bombing of Kabul, there was bomb started to explode in Kabul and main cities. And in 2011 and 12 and 13, till about 2014, the situation was under control. But when the new, the election took place in 2014, and uh, we have a unity government between two rivals, uh, which is this is also a clear violation against the democratic structure or what we believe in. We believe in the two candidates run an election and one wins and one loses. But how come both of them become winners and then one become chief executive, one become president, and then the power is shared among the two. So they started to fight each other instead of working for the betterment of the country. And they started to fight with, you know, by, by positions and appointments and so forth. And that really incapacitated them to, to run the country in a proper way. And that's the time when the regional powers around Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, primarily Russia and China, uh, they sought a opportunity and then they pushed the Taliban to the maximum in order to carry the attacks. Why are they doing that? So why would Russia support uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan? They, they are, they are, they're trying to legitimize their act by saying that the Taliban are fighting the ISIS, but that's not true. That's an excuse. What's the reality behind it? Why Iran is supporting the Taliban elements or they created some groups under the name of Taliban and the brand? Why would China pouring money into Pakistan or the free wing of the ISI, as they call it, to support the freedom fighters or these, these Taliban or whatever? What is the gain out of it? China is threatened by the presence of the United States in Afghanistan. They feel that the Brits and the Americans are fueling the insurgency in Turkestan. The Muslim separatist movements of China is supported. They believe, they accuse the United States and they accuse the Britain. Uh, the Russians are feeling very threatened because they have a vast interest in Central Asia. They have a huge interest in Turkmenistan and also in Kazakhstan. So yeah, they feel threatened yeah. by that. In Iranians, they're always threatened by the presence of the United States because Xinjiang, the, the west of our country, is, very, is bordering about 400 or to 600 kilometers with, with Iran. So they feel threatened because if there is a strike on Iran, the Azerbaijan and Afghanistan is going to be used against Iran and the Persian Gulf. The... So this is one other thing. Why Pakistan is threatened by the presence of the Americans in Afghanistan, although they were part of an ally and they were allowing the transportation of the NATO goods, which 27% of those goods were looted by the Pakistani ISI in the name of you know, other elements. What is the gain of Pakistan? Pakistan has, as you know, uh, they have signed a contract for the last, I would say, 50, uh, 20 years with China on Gwadar port. Gwadar port is a deep sea port. So China became very close with Pakistan. And two years ago, they already invested $46 billion in the 
Pakistan economy, and they're going to invest over $100 billion in Gwadar, which they already invested about $20 billion. So the stakes of Pakistan is very high with China, and Shanghai is part of the inner circle with Russia, with Iran, with Pakistan and Turkey. These five major countries are the inner circle of the Shanghai Pact. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Some people believe it's a conspiracy theory, but that sometimes the conspiracy has grounds and that's proven to be correct. And one of these you know, conspiracy theory of this inner circle of the Shanghai is these five countries. As we saw in Turkey, you know, the coup and then Erdogan becoming very strong. And then the elements that you know, we see that in Pakistan also that you know, they bring a puppet civil government and then it's controlled by the military and the ISI. So all these things were ignored by the West. All these developments were ignored by the West. And they were thinking and believing that Russia is their ally because Russia was providing you know, a transport uh, route for the NATO goods. And, and they believe that you know, Pakistan is, is fighting a war of terror, a war on terrorism in Afghanistan and so forth. Whatever the events we see in Pakistan, which bomb blast or whatever it's taking place, according to very reliable information, all those are orchestrated by the Pakistani ISI in order to justify their acts in Afghanistan. Recently, five, six places were bombed, um, bomb exploded, but at 11 places, just to send a very strong signal to Washington, to the new administration, that Pakistan is also victim of the Afghan war or Taliban. It's just not true. Repeatedly, over and over, the Taliban, some leaders were, you know, they already spoke to the intelligence organization of West and they told them that they are captives in Pakistani hands and they are like their slaves and they can't do anything much about it. So these are the problems which we faced and then the government was not functioning well. So the, the, it's a crippled government. When a government is crippled, when a government is busy fighting over seats and positions and you know, ministries and, and embassies, what about the people? There is no attention for the people. So, yeah, no, I understand. And I wanted to discuss three points that you, that you mentioned. Yeah, we, maybe we take one at a time. The first one is the democracy. That is the introduction of democracy to Afghanistan which is, to say the least, was alien completely to Afghanistan, given the history of Afghanistan going back how many thousands of years. So it is true democracy is for by and all, for the people and all of that. But as I see it, as we have seen also in Egypt and we've seen also in Libya, we've seen even in Iraq, the introduction of democracy under these kind of circumstances never worked. I see and I don't see a way that democracy even today, after being introduced to Afghanistan, that empire is going to work for many of the reasons you mentioned. That is the system, there is a still corrupt system there. And I'm not sure to what extent the head of the tribal community throughout Afghanistan are actually take part in the governing of the country still. Yeah, there's election. I'm not I don't know how how the, the elections most likely is rigged, it's not necessarily representative. But even if it were, democracy, when it is introduced in that kind of fashion into an area, into a country that has never experienced democratic form of government, is going to be totally alien to those who don't want it. 
who are accustomed to living entirely different life. The Taliban is part of that. That is, Taliban was never comfortable with a democratic form of government to start with. They don't want to have any part of it. I just want to also take it back to the initial 2001. You know, the Taliban was in power. The United States wanted to get rid of Al-Qaeda. The Taliban refused to accommodate the United States, and that's what happened. As a result, President Bush decided to go against the Taliban and try to topple the Taliban government. But setting all of this aside, I want to ask you this. Given what we have today, reality today on the ground, given the strength of the Taliban, because in your presentation earlier today, correct me if I'm wrong, that the Taliban is, can be resolved in one form or another very fairly quickly. I disagree personally, I disagree with the idea that the Taliban is just, they can just be dealt with. The Taliban over the years have become a major force, as I see it, a major force to be reckoned with. You cannot ignore the Taliban anymore. So in any future government, as I see it, the Taliban either has to concede, agree, or be part of such a government. And efforts, as you well know, were made to negotiate some kind of a settlement with the Taliban. Am I right? Through the, peace, the, the peace process, yeah. the jirga or the council yeah, they yeah. have, they, they, through initiated, yeah. yes. That, that's right. And it did not mm -hmm. go anywhere. No. And there is no likelihood, as I see it today, that even if the resumption of the negotiation will go anywhere either. Because now it's like the Israeli and Palestinian, it's all or nothing. The Taliban feel that they are legitimate. Yeah. The legitimate government, it was taken away from them. Sure. In 2001 or two. That's what, how they feel. So, from the, as far as they're concerned, they have to be very much part, if not the dominant, dominating part in the in any future of the Pakistani Afghani government. They have so that element I think exists and it cannot be wished away. It just would not be wished away. And moreover, they have invested so much blood and treasure as far as the Taliban are concerned. So they're not gonna walk away. That's why I equated, I think I mentioned to you the Afghani the the sort of the Vietnam syndrome so to speak. The United States now has a force of 10, 12,000 soldiers uh, basically to maintain a level of a status quo. I don't think that's going to lead anywhere either. And then, as I mentioned before, you have all these players. Pakistan in particular has a good... I mean, most of the Taliban actually go across the border of Pakistan. They're getting their training, their health, their so, and, and then they come back and terrorize the country, as you, as you well know. So, and then, as you mentioned correctly, Afghanistan is a, is a tribal country. And you cannot run a tribal country by simply saying, here's a democracy, whoever the majority is going to win. It just will not work. It did not work in Libya, and it's not going to work in Afghanistan. That doesn't mean the Afghani people don't, don't like freedom. Of course they do. Everybody likes to be free. But any kind of democracy that you introduce to a country or place that have not had the tradition of democratic form of government, that assumed it over time, they are, you have to adjust the democratic system into the culture of the country involved. 
That is, you cannot duplicate American democratic form of government into the Afghani scene or the Egyptian scene or the Iraqi scene. It has to adjust. Religion, for example, plays significant role. Well, here we have a clear separation of power. We don't have it in Afghanistan. We don't have it in Iraq. They pretend to, but in reality, Iraqi government is a Shiite government, been persecuting the Sunnis from day one, and they probably will not stop. So looking into this, and then of course, as we mentioned, all these players who want to end the conflict on their own terms. Pakistan does, Iran does, China does, whoever, and uh, Turkey is involved now, and, and the United States. Where do we go from this point on? That is, what is really going to take when you have so many players all have their own interest in the final outcome? They do not see eye to eye. There is concern of a geostrategic interest, which is not shared by the United States and Russia and China. Each has different strategic interests in the area. Afghanistan has become the battleground for all of these powers. And who is paying with blood and treasure are the Afghan people. That's how we see it. Now, we need to sort this out. How are we going to sort it out? If the, if, if the Afghani people, the tribes themselves, and that's where I'm coming from, please correct me, uh, because I'm not going to pretend I have better answer than you do. But if the tribal themselves, the, the head of tribes, do not come together and say, we need to solve this problem and find a solution, this is where I disagree with you to some extent. Perhaps initially outside power may need to be, after all, the United States is there. Pakistan has interest there. Uh, they need surely eventually step out of the process. But the main players ought to be still the Afghani people. If they don't get together, if they don't agree on it, you cannot superimpose a solution. I don't think I can impose a solution on the Israeli-Palestinian, nor can I impose a solution on Afghani people. The Taliban has been there. They've been living there for 3,000 years, just like uh, more, for that matter. They are more accustomed to the, geo the ge geography and the history of the country, and they're not going to be defeated anytime soon. Sure. Let me explain one thing. So let's go with that. Hello. Yeah. When 2004, we had the first presidential election in Afghanistan, because Karzai was, a, he came, President Karzai, through the process of Bonn. And then down the road three years, uh, the election came in 2004. The Taliban were waiting. Because all the Taliban, they were dismantled, but they were not all wiped out. So they, they lost the, the, the territory to be 52 bombers, and the American pressure was there. They retreated. 2004, they were waiting for President Karzai to have some sort of a plan for them, to accommodate them, not to bring them to the government, not to bring them to give them the seats, but to give them the chance to live in their villages, in town, and get a decent employment, you know, be part of the community. But you know what? To live their own life. Yes. As they see fit. Yes. When there was a Taliban leader wanted list, they had to be arrested, not talked to. I was the one in 2006, I've said openly on TV, I said, we should be talking to the Taliban. This is the time before somebody buys these people out and then use it against the U.S. forces and NATO in Afghanistan, the Afghan government. No one listened to me. They accused me of the Taliban spokesman and so forth. This was my vision. 
that before someone else takes it over, we have to diffuse the situation for the future. 2000, as I said, 2005, when they saw President Karzai is incompetent, he's with the warlords, you know, his family is involved in all kind of, you know, corruption. Then the Taliban slowly and gradually regrouped in 2005, and then 2006 they started attacks, 2007 and so forth. And then Karzai put a fictitious reconciliation jirga or reconciliation committee to talk to the Taliban. It went nowhere. He had 52 or 60 trips to Pakistan. He couldn't really you know, achieve anything because there was no will of people with his governments. You see, same thing what President Ashraf Ghani did, same thing that was Karzai, President Karzai did. He just ignored the tribes and the communities, you know, give a, a small car or some money to a tribal chief, but did nothing for the communities and the, the tribes and the, and the people of Afghanistan because we needed progress, we needed developments, but not these small developments that, you know, it's only for bread and butter. We need better roads, you know, accountability in every sector of the, the government. So it didn't happen. And if uh, corruption was in a very high rampage. 2004, when election, I was in Afghanistan. I was campaigning and I was supporting Ashraf Ghani. The Taliban assured Ashraf Ghani that they are not going to attack on the day of the votes, when people are going to the, the polling station to cast the vote. They promised, they assured them. Mm -hmm. Because in the Pashtun areas where the Taliban presence is, is more than other areas, it's controlled by the Taliban. So they assure the Shafghani that they are not going to intimidate the lives or, or, or make blasts and bombs and things because they want him to win the election. So when he won the election, he was supposed to stand on his own position that he was the winner of the election. And then, you know, through John Kerry's mediation, in his uh, altered strategy, they, bought, they brought both of them to be part of a unity or joint government. And when that happened, Ashraf Ghani became so busy with his government, he forgot about the rest of the problems that the country was facing, Taliban. So in this time, things went changed. Things were changed in a, in a, in a very negative way towards Afghanistan. Already the Russians were involved in Afghanistan from 2010, uh, they had, our army is literally in their disposal, institution, intelligence institutions also, uh, you know, they have an upper hand. They were designing things. <clears throat> One of the reasons, it's a, not a conspiracy theory, it's a reality that two years back, when there was an attack on Kunduz, one of the province, it was the Afghan National Army who gave the coordinates to the American drone to hit a hospital. It was a Doctors Without Borders, oh, that's, 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 and yes. President Barack Obama even apologized for it. So who gave the clearance of to hit the hospital? It was the Afghan National Army. And within the Afghan National Army, who did it? So it was an instigation by the Russians that they had to hit a hospital in order to make a huge, big embarrassment for the American troops. So these are the things that they, they adds up to, and I think the intelligence uh, committees and organization, they're aware of what I'm saying, because every small bits and pieces they get together in order to, to make a big deal, they do it. And every small bits and pieces in war matters. When it comes to Taliban, the Talibans were there. We cannot ignore the fact they were there in 2004. 
and they are here now. But in 2004, they were hopeful that something will happen, that they can go back to their villages and town, you know, have a normal life, do their own agriculture and all that, but it didn't happen. The government did not pay any attention. The warlords and the criminals were running a country. Those technocrats who came to the West and they got education um, and, and they got the experience of the West and, and knowledge, when they went back to Afghanistan, eat the Afghans, they didn't get a decent job. They were always labeled as second-class citizens and so yeah. forth. These are the worst thing which happened at the, exp at the expense of the American and the, the European taxpayers' money. The money was spent, but the money was not monitored. When I'm coming, when I'm trying to say that the Taliban is not a problem, is not a group of people that we should be talking to, I have solid and live reasons. Reason number one, you've been discussing the United States of America was pushing the Afghan government and they're pouring hundreds of millions of dollars in the reconciliation process, but it went nowhere. What's the reason? Why would there a process of reconciliation with Taliban will get nowhere? The reason because there's no will of people. So what do you mean by the will of people? When I'm coming to the point that the Taliban are living literally within the Afghan villages, in towns, in the mountains, if the tribes are going to deny them shelter, if the tribes going to eject them, they have nowhere to go. This happened in my area. 2010, I so have... So which means you can dismiss the Taliban we, as a force. Alone, I'm coming to the point. 2010, yeah. I came to Washington. I had a group of a hundred fighters from my tribe under my commander. I put him in the border in order to control the border and show to the American military that what could be done if we stand up, if the tribes stand up against the Taliban. My idea was to control the 1800 kilometer border with Pakistan, number one, deploy the tribal police force not the, the one which is controlled by Kabul, but within the people from the same villages, we give them the job and the task to control the border because they are living on the border and they can do that job better than any army, better than any other forces. So this was the job. For 160 to $180 million a year, we were going to seal the border with Pakistan. And then we had to step into the west of the country to control that border, which is about 600 kilometers with Iran. But it was a pilot project that I put it in my own area. I came to Quantico, I had a presentation. I met with James Mattis, I did a presentation there, and he loved the idea in the program at the time. He was the commander of Quantico. And I met with other leaders in, in, in also in Washington, but they couldn't understand what exactly I was trying to do. What I was trying to do is to bring the tribes on board directly with the American Special Forces and the American administration. So they are in the middle, whoever is doing the corruption, they're no longer there. You're directly dealing so where, with the tribes. So where will the Taliban be under this saying. kind of formula? I had a hundred of my fighters in my area, and it's all Stephen Pressfield has already published those publications. It's an internet. They fled away. I could not even find one Talib in my area. A hundred tribal guys. I proved it. Stephen Shawlis was there. When Stephen Shawlis came in 2011 and he was making a barbecue up in the mountains of Tora Bora, it was my guards and my tribal guys who were accompanying him. 
approved it. The tribes in Afghanistan matters. It matters the tribes a lot. matter, but where would the Taliban go? But you just, you just said earlier, they would have gone back to their villages and want to, no, to live normal lives. Yeah, but this is in 2004. So what, what I'm saying, the situation changed? has deteriorated. They got more money, more resources. They got more weapons. They intimidated the lives of the ordinary villagers who were going against them. They are now in power. They are in charge. But this is not 2004 anymore. This is not 2010 anymore. That's the point. Yes? That is, now you have a new reality. We have a very bad situation. It's a hands. bad situation, but it's a new reality. Yes. A reality that can no longer ignore where we started the Taliban anymore. They become a factor. Yes. So that in any solution that you are looking for, we all look for a solution, the Taliban cannot be ignored completely. It just won't happen. Because they are still in a position to torpedo any peace effort. That's all I have to do is keep bombing and keep killing and keep terrorizing. So do, do, do you see a point where the Taliban ought to be taken seriously, a lot more seriously, in conjunction with the hate of the tribes? Let's leave the American aside for just for a moment. I'm just playing a scenario, just to see what your thoughts on it. My feeling is that the United States will support any outcome to end the war. Do you agree with that? If they are supporting the present government through the process of the reconciliation of the government machinery that they created, it will not even happen in a hundred years. No, that won't happen. Because There's no other initiatives now. That's right. That's right. Which means the nature of the current government is not conducive to a long-term solution. Not at all. Not at all. Am I right? You agree yes. with that? Which means you're going to need a different kind of government. And a different kind of government is not going to be created by democratic system, necessarily. But Alan, Alan one thing I really like to emphasize, the tribal jirga, lawyer jirga, which we have, is the highest institutions in Afghanistan and exercises in a different way of the same path of democracy. That's my point. I'm yes. going to get to this point. The, the, the tribes themselves, the head of tribes, the, 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 the tribes themselves are perfectly capable of getting together, if they want to get together, and have their own election along the line of democratic form of government. That is, aren't they in a position to do that? No, we're not. We are incapacitated by the government. We have a system placed in Afghanistan, which is the parliament, and we have the provincial council, and then we have other government, you know, that, that the structure which has already been placed, we cannot go against it. You don't need to go against yeah. it. That's what we call passive resistance. That is passive we, we resistance. We can try, but, you know, we don't get a recognition. The problem is we don't get a recognition. The present government or the Kabul central government is recognized by an international community. They receive their aid, money, resources, backing, support and everything. And what we get out of it, nothing. So the tribes are getting nothing. We have a corrupt government in place, which is not functioning well. They're fighting over cheers. They're fighting over position. They haven't done anything for the betterment of the country. That's why we have a deteriorated situation. When I say it in the meeting, and I clearly say it, the impact of the, 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 the acts of that government in Afghanistan is a, is a direct impact on White House. It's a mirror. It's a mirror of, it's, it's, a, it's the, the, that, that image that people see. An Afghan government is the image of the American establishment yeah, right. or, or, or administration in Afghanistan. 
Now, let me, let me, again, I'm just postulating here, just suggesting a few things. Let us assume that they, you have uh, how many tribes there? 20, 30, 40, how many? Um, I think a lot. Afghan, a lot. I mean, it's a a Tajik, Hazaras, and Uzbek, all the tribes, it's a okay. tribal country. Well, let's take, say, 20, 25, and you sure. have the head of the tribes. Each yeah. tribe has its own head, am I right? Yes, they do. Let's suppose get these heads of tribes together. Right? Yes. And let's suppose these head of tribe come to United States is the only country now that have military presence. Yes. There are other countries involved, but not in the same capacity as military presence. Yes. The United States, for the United States, this is the longest war. Yes. That they have, historically speaking. It is, and it's very, very tiring as well. It's extremely exhausting for the United States in, in so many different ways. Yes. But I want to just to imagine you have this head of tribes. Again, I'm not suggesting it should happen, it must happen. I'm asking, do you feel that the heads of tribes are capable of sitting together and have a conversation? I don't have any fear. We have always done it. You have done it. This group, the heads of tribes, that represent the vast majority of the Afghan people. Am I right? Absolutely. They suppose they sit down together and they say to the United States, we are the one who needs to govern ourselves. We need to create the kind of political system that we need to create. Uh, we are whether we invite the Taliban to be part of it, because the Taliban not coming from the air. They are part and parcel of these tribes. Sure, they live in these tribes. They, yes. they are product of the tribes yes. from the various different tribes. So, if these groups were to sit down together and say we want to govern ourselves and we would like to have representative government. Forget they can choose, elect whoever they want, but representative government, so to avoid the corruption, to avoid the, the, the what people owe other people, you know, if you put me in power, I'm going to give you this. I mean, it's not just money exchange. There's a real corruption in terms of who you appoint to this position or that position. So what I'm suggesting, suppose you get these tribes to sit down together and say, we want to create representative government, However, we choose it based on a, we elect between ourselves. And this is how we want to govern ourselves. So you eliminate, to start with, you could eliminate potentially the, the, the corruption that is consuming the government today. Who would stop the, if all the head of tribes can come together and send this clear message to the United States? We want to run our life as we see fit. And we want a kind of government, representative government, that's representing us. Each tribe is represented in the government, depending on proportionate representation. Proportionate representation. Is it doable? I like the idea. It's very much. But one thing I like to be very clear, we don't want to be part of the government. We don't want to run the government. No, forget the government. Yes, we want. Yes, this idea is brilliant. I mean, this is a, this is a great idea. And if uh, there is some initiative in here in Washington, I would love to do that. Uh, why, and, and why don't you initiate that? I, I, I never thought about it. I but think what this I'm, is something my, new. My feeling is, my yeah. feeling, if you, they want to end this conflict, every single head of tribe. Yes. Their kids are dying. Of course. They're sending them to war. Yeah. They are intimidated by the Taliban leadership yes. in one form or another. True. So, so they're going to sit down together and say, we need to decide about the future, not the United States, not Russia, not Afghanistan. All of these countries, if Afghanistan is at peace with itself, 
other powers would not be able to, to come and agitate it again. It's impossible. It will be extremely difficult. True. So what I'm saying is, if effort is made, let's get to these heads of these various groups and say to them, look, this war has been going on now for 16 years. How many more years do we have to suffer? The country is torn, has been torn apart. The country's resources is being squandered. Corruption is consuming everywhere, every, every department. We need to take matters into our hands. Let's decide, let's, let's get together. And we decide what sort of government we want based on proportionate democratic representation. It's absolutely, this is very correct. This is exactly what the people are asking me to do, is to come and lead and, and get a very strong tribal presence, the leader, and, and then see the international community. A great representative from each yes, tribe? absolutely. And get them to come to the Washington yeah. and say to them, yeah. why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, this was something that I came, the reason I came here this time, and also to, to see if there's a possibility for the new government here, if they could listen to us. And then I am in a position to go back to Afghanistan and form this tribal jirga. Exactly. And then if the United States is listening and they like and they're willing to listen, they're willing I, to, to sit with us, we'll be more than happy. I just to want do that. to reverse it first. Yeah. Instead of getting first to the United States, yeah. you want to go there first. You need to take first the initiative, regardless of what the United States. The United States cannot object. Cannot. In fact, it served the United States interest. Absolutely. See, you cannot, you, want, you don't want to convince the United States to accept a solution. You want to, first of all, to create a solution within Afghanistan itself. By getting this tribe to say, we want to govern ourselves, we want to end the conflict, or we want to invite the Taliban to be part and parcel of that process, the United States cannot say, no, this is not, you cannot do that. Uh, there are going to, we in the past, I witnessed a lot of resistance from the United States, from Washington, that when I was trying to have an autonomy of the tribes to work with the United States forces there, I was always faced with this. And I was always pushed to the extreme that I have to work with the central government. And despite that, all the time I was saying that the central government is corrupt and every initiative that we have to put in place or we will be putting in place, it will be corrupted. But no one listened. And I was pushed to the extreme that I have to work with the central government. So now, if there is a will in Washington, that Washington is ready to work with the tribes, we can create that. I and it's very you, easy. I can tell you this, regardless of how I dislike President Trump. Uh, President Trump would love to take a credit for any success. He would love to say, I succeeded in Afghanistan. I ended the war in Afghanistan. Bush started it, this started it. Three presidents could not manage it. Now I could manage it, which means if you could come to this administration with a concrete proposal, not just proposal, by first convening, first convening the head of the tribes and have them agree and agree on a document. This is what we want to do. You bring this to Washington, then they will listen differently because then the president can take a credit for working for, with this, for a solution that it comes from with the Afghanis themselves, not imposed by the powers who have so many different interests. And for them, I want to tell you something, as far as I know, every single power around Afghanistan is using Afghanistan to further their own interests and their own interests only. 
They could not care less if every single Afghani shed their blood. True. They couldn't care less. But under the present situation that I am in, any initiative that we put in Afghanistan, like as you mentioned it, to get the tribal jirga, the tribal leaders together, and then they said, you know, we have to get out of this situation. This has been done many times. I can do it again. But the problem is that I said we are facing a lot of obstacle, and I face personally obstacle in Washington uh, that they will not agree with my initiatives. As I mentioned again, if there is a will, there is a way. If the current administration is willing to have success in Afghanistan, then we are in a position to deliver that, the tribes in Afghanistan. Again, again, again. But, Alan, there has to be a will in Washington because there is a need for it. People are asking for it. They need it every day. There's a need in will. So if the will is here, we can do it. Again, I want to reverse it again because (laughs) it's very important. You see, the United States put a lot of effort, money, energy, military blood, creating the so-called democratic form of government, which is dysfunctioning. It's corrupt and it's not working. And you know it better than anybody else in the world, right? So if you come there and you say, we can do A, B, C, and D, uh, Trump, um, as a businessman, however um, much disrespect I for him, he will, he will understand something. Is it practical? He will attach his name only to something that can succeed. He will not attach his name to something that's going to fail. Which means you need to reverse it. That is, you need to show him we are in Afghanistan able, capable of producing a political, in court body, representative of every single, every single tribe. Here we have it. And this is what they want to do. We want you now to help us establish this system that is going to be representative government consistent with the Americans' uh, political ideals, nevertheless. In my view, if you could get this together, and you can, I mean, if anybody can, you're probably the only one who can, let them sit down and say, we need to end this. We are paying way too much of a price for this horrible, endless war. I get them together, and you can come back to the United States and say, every single leader of every single tribe wants this to be the case. We want to create a representative government. The United States, it's Trump who doesn't want it. You know, right now, this administration is looking for a solution. They don't know, should we get out of Afghanistan and leave them to their own devices? Should we do this, should we do that? They, they don't have, the, they have no, no new ideas, practical ideas. They need something fresh, they need something different. And especially the Secretary of State, I don't know how effective he is, but he's finding his ways. He's, he's the kind of guy who may be listening, listening uh, differently. And if you could come up with this, of course, before you can convince the United States administration, you need to make sure you have them, you have them with you to begin with. If you don't have the tribes supporting you, there's nothing to talk about in the United States. So you've got to start there, not here. I want to I emphasize on that, that you're correct. And, but again, you know, I'm, this, this is my experience, which I of went course, through this. Of course, and I Washington matters in this. Washington matters, and Washington has to endorse uh, first, you know, the, the well. And then we find a way. The way is there. The solutions are there. Why the British failed in Afghanistan? 
because they installed the puppet government yes. and they went against the tribes and the communities. Why did the Russians, they failed? Because they widely ignored the people of Afghanistan and they went you know, supporting those communists and so forth. And why now this government is failing? Why the strategy of this war for 15 years is so long or 16 years is failing? And what is the way to save it? There is this I've been trying from 2006 onwards in Western, in Western countries in Britain first and in the United States first. Guys, it's the tribes. If you read the piece that Stephen Pressfield wrote, you know what he says? He says, stupid is the tribe, you stupid. This is the title of that article. And we tried. We tried in a very large way. The tribes matters. And if the new administration really wants to make things work, we are here, I'm here to talk. I can go back to my country, get this jerga together, but we have to have an understanding but then again, Alan, yes. the problem was the obsession with democratic government. I was forced and forced and forced to the maximum, to the extreme, to work with the government. And I refused. I was told that I have to be part of Karzai government cabinet. I refused. I refused even worked with this government that is in place because this isn't competent government. A guy like me, I'm a small little tribal, tribal chief. Um, I, I like to deliver. I believe in delivery. If I cannot deliver, I'm finished. This is, I mentioned in the, in, the, in the conference, that it's all about what you see. The people in Afghanistan, they see you practical man. Are you a practical man? They stand up with you. Do you have the support of the Western countries? These are the boxes that they need to tick, tick before uh, they, they support you. Okay, so if you're a practical man, good. Okay, he's got a credibility, strong man. What's his tribe? Okay, he's this tribe. Fine. He's Ghalje, Zazai, or Ahmad Zai, or whatever. Okay, credible tribe. Fine. Okay, so does he get the support from Washington? No. Okay, so they said to go back. We have to understand the mentality and the mechanism of the tribes. So a stronger leader, sorry, a stronger leader is the man who has the backing and the support of the world behind him. Then the tribes, they come forward and said, ah, now you can feed me. Now you can protect me. Now you can arm me. Now, okay, so this is the man that I'm going to support. Not the man who just speaks. Because the Taliban are there intimidating the lives of people in the villages. If somebody goes against them, they slaughter him. If somebody goes, you know, something, they punish them. But if I'm in a position to protect my tribes, let me tell you something, Alon. I don't like to sound very cocky, but my tribes will eat the Taliban alive. The Taliban, I don't see Taliban issue. I don't see it. I, I, I look at it like a, not an issue. It's a, such a world issue. Everybody's worried about it and everyone is talking about it. To me, the Taliban issue is nothing. To me, the tribal role is important because the tribes, see, how many people are in, in one village? Let's see, about what, few hundred? How many Taliban's are there in the entire one huge area? Maybe 200. So the entire area, there is about 5,000 to 10,000 people. In one district, let's say about 50,000 people. And there is about 300 Taliban. Can you imagine what could be done to them? Even if they are from the, the, from the tribe. You know what we do? We have Afghan code of conduct, the Pashtunwali. We have our own laws. What are our laws? We pass the law. We sign it, we thumbprint it. When I brought the thumbprint paper, you saw it today, we thumbprint it. And then when somebody violates 
You know what we do? We expel them from the tribes and we burn this house. And him and his family, we have severe and very dear consequences and punishment within our tribal structure. Yes, I'm and that's aware. why yeah. I believe in so strong is that if we revive the tribal structure, we don't want to run the government. We don't want to be in the government. I don't want to be minister. I don't want to be a governor. I want to be a tribal leader, but the central government has to run according to the needs and requirements of the country and the people. Then we're okay. If the central government is incompetent, they are disabled, they can't do anything and it's read by the corrupt people, then why would I want to support a government? Exactly the point that is if the government is not a reflection of the tribal community, all of them, that government cannot function. No, we, that's why we don't want to support the government. The, the, no. And for good reason. Yes. And let me just suggest to you the following. This president, regardless of his inadequacies in so many areas, he's a rebel. Yes. He is a rebel. You have now perhaps an opportunity. He is not, doesn't have this hang up about democracy. Believe me when I tell you that. Good. He doesn't. Someone at with he, practical. Very practical. Excellent. He wants to do, make a deal. Good. Show him how can I make a deal. For him, you, you see what he's been saying and doing since he started running. Yes. He has zero respect for the electoral, but he doesn't, he <laughs> utilizes it when he can, and he dis wanna, wanna, uh, um, disabuse it when he can, and ignore it when he wants to. That's, he's, a, he's a play with the whole system. Look how he's behaving now. So what, what I think you might you not found with the uh, Obama administration, Obama administration has much more hang up on system, the private thing, the private thing, democracy, election, all of that. With this president, you're gonna find probably different ears. One who will say to you, show me how you're gonna solve the problem first. And you're gonna tell them, I can deliver A, B, C, and D. But you need to help me and not have any hang up about this central government. Because the people are talking. The tribes, the heads of tribes, here you have a signature of 50 tribes. All of them are saying, this is what we want. Do you want to end the war in Afghanistan? This is what you're going to have to do. Absolutely. What I like about uh, President Trump, he's a very practical man. And as I mentioned last night as well, he believed in good real estate and bad real estate. I understand that he called Afghanistan or he may be thinking that Afghanistan is a bad real estate. But there's three conditions or three things that I like to say. The location of Afghanistan is very, very important. It's a very critical Exactly, from a real location. estate perspective. Yes. So it's in a very good avenue, maybe in Georgetown, the location. Yeah. Is the building crumbling that need to be toppled down? Exactly. Not really. The building is solid. The foundations are solid. So what is the problem with it? Interior. Yeah. What Afghanistan needs, an interior change. I like the American presence to be in Afghanistan for prolonged. There should be an American military presence in a very limited number, which is 10, 20,000 or 30,000. But I like more American money to come and invest in our minerals. And the geopolitical presence of Afghanistan is crucial for the future of America as well. And I like that. I'm coming back to that point that practicality means a lot in Afghanistan. And if President Trump believes in practical terms, then, you know, he has a man in Washington. And talk to me. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make, and you know, along the line of what we were talking about last night in terms of uh, providing um, economic support for Afghanistan, 
This is, in my view, absolutely central. Not giving money to the government, that's a taboo. It should yes. be taboo. This money should go, like we spoke about yesterday, development project. So that the tribes, a tribe who is getting certain amount of money, you are required to have this kind of project in order to benefit all the people. That's what, so the plan, you know, they don't have to agree only on a political solution. They have also to agree on fundamentally economic development solution, without which nothing is going to work. Alon, we are talking about a country, that how we're going to find solution for the entire country. If they're interested, administration is interested, we can try in Loya Paktia, the three or four provinces, which is in my constituency, and we can see what's going to happen, and then apply the same method to other provinces as well. If there is a will, as I said, there is a way. If there is the desire for, you know, for peace, if there is a desire in Washington and in the new administration, the White House, that they have to win the war in Afghanistan and be successful, then there is a way. And, and I can lead from beginning to the end. Yeah, the, the only thing is, I don't think there is anyone in the administration who thinks the war is winnable. That is, you are going to destroy the Taliban and there will be the end of the Taliban. That's not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. Well, they have to start to believe in something, and that the they'll have to believe in the people. They have to believe in the people. In the and people. as I mentioned yeah. to you, sir, is that the tribal structure is totally different from a citizen. Perspective. I know, and that's that's the strength of it. Yes, a, a citizen wants everything that he pays the taxes, and he wants the government to do everything. There, we do everything for the governments. We strengthen the government. But the tribal community is much larger. Very large, Much very of course, large. and they very have, strong. They have a major say in anything. I, I would like you just to explore the possibility and having this conversation with the various tribal leaders and say, look, Alon, it will take me 15 days to assemble the entire tribal structure in Afghanistan to I come would, under uh, one platform if there is a will from Washington. 15 days. L l why don't you do and that? And Alon, let me tell you something. If Mr. President Trump is serious enough, give me 12 months. 12 months. You've been in this business for what? 15 years in Afghanistan? You've been having a war in Afghanistan for 15 years? Give me 12 months. And in 12 months, if along with my the tribal structure and our, our people, indigenous people, if we do not bring this war to an end, you can hang me. No. God forbid. <laughs> this is so, my determination. So, so, I am yeah. very determined. Okay. I'm very serious. But let's, let's, uh, if you just Feel the waters first. You know, the next trip, you know, you come to D.C. If you went back to Afghanistan and you had this conversation, just have this conversation. Unity of the tribal community is, matters a great deal, more than anything else. That is, they need to agree on one thing. They don't have to agree on any distribution of money or who, is, who control water. They can easily agree, we want to enter the war. Do you agree with this premise? Have you seen the, the movie Lawrence of Arabia? Yes, yes. Great. Have you seen that little part that the tribal guys with Lawrence of Arabia, this, this British uh, colonel or major, uh -huh. they come in looting a train of the uh -huh. Ottoman Empire? Uh -huh. And this one tribal leader said, I cannot go back to my tribes because I did not take anything honorable with me. And yeah. then this captain who is with this British uh, major, he said, what the hell is he talking about? He just robbed the train, and now he talk about honor. Then he goes and he grab a white black horse, and he jumps out. He said, "Now I can go back to my tribes yeah. with the honor." We are different people. 
I, well, you, for, for good reason. Yes, in, if you believe in the tribal structure, and if you really think, if you really think that we need to succeed in Afghanistan, if you really believe in a success, what I'm saying the new administration, then talk to us. We but will they, deliver. They will talk to you. Yeah. They will talk to you if you come up with a new plan. The plan, consider it, Alon is there. Well, it takes 15 days for a man like me to assemble all my tribal leaders from across the country and we will stand. I would love for you to do just that. And please, God, if you do it, invite me. So I can just watch. <laughs> <laughs> but again, again, my experience, my experience that I had before. I don't have an experience with this, this, this administration. It's a new administration. I don't know how they will react. But my last experience, which I had when I assembled my tribes, when we had this mega plan, are we going to close the border? We're going to fight insurgents, the Taliban. I was faced with furious resistance. What was? And I was pushed and pushed and pushed to work with the central government. And I refused to work with the central government. Okay, what was was, just think about this possibility. Going back now and renew this effort. Sure. You said you can do that. You said you can assemble them in 15 days Absolutely. and have a conversation with them. I need a word from President Trump that he's going to stand up with me if I put that show there for him, getting all the tribal leaders in one line to agree on this. Uh, well, you if know, he doesn't, then, you know, you, you know what? Here where we differ, you and I, <laughs> you know, I come from a from a situation where I feel I'm from Missouri. You know, this thing this, they say about Missouri, uh -huh. each state in the United States has a name. The New York is called the Empire State. Yes. Dallas, uh, Texas is called Lone Star State. Missouri called the Show Me State. Show me. I'm from the Show Me State. Okay. So you want to show, you want to see. That's right. Okay. This administration need to see. Excellent. If you went back to them and say, look, this is what I did. Yeah. If it takes you not a massive effort, yes. if you're saying you can assemble them and get a consensus, just that one consensus, you come back here and say, look, I just met with every single head tribes. That's what we want. You can make it happen. Now give us, help us. Help us do it. I honestly feel this is one way. And not to, even though you might, you, you feel that the Taliban could be sidelined, could be this, but the Taliban do not come from the air. They are belong to the tribes. Absolutely. But this is what we have alone. As I mentioned, if the Taliban are not going to clear their act, then we are going to expel them from the tribes. We're going to set their house on fire. You see, the tribal laws are very, very difficult. Yeah, They're very harsh. But let's leave this aside yeah. for now. We have this. We have this, this we have the way forward. Yeah. Let's get we the can way do forward. It. Let's put this together yeah. first. I'll come here with presenting it. This is what we want. Sure. This is going to this government, this, this president wants to succeed in one area in foreign policy desperately. Well, I mentioned to you before that, you know, he should be talking to us. Let him talk, let him want to talk to you. I hope. And you know how? By saying to him, hear what we have. You have now an opportunity to end this conflict because every single tribe is saying the same thing. We want to enter the conflict. And here, here's a document. Everybody signed that document. And then what it. happens? Bring it here. You'll guarantee it. I guarantee you. Excellent. They will listen you to you. They will listen to you very, very, very carefully. Excellent. Because they want to end this war. Desperately. Done. This guy is smelling, and he smells success. If he smells an opportunity, he will jump on it. 
So don't go by your experience with Obama. Don't go by your experience with, with Bush. That's not the good, this is different animal altogether. Absolutely. He does not stand on principles. He couldn't care less about this or this. This government is not functioning. He said, you're not functioning. We want to go a different route. Good. The government in Afghanistan today depends on American presence. Absolutely. And no American president, the government will collapse. Absolutely. You know that. Yes. He can call the prime minister and say to him, the president, say, listen to him, we need different solution. Here's a solution. If you are not prepared to do that, we're going to withdraw. How long are you going to last? He will be killed in, two, in a few days. He'll be assassinated. No doubt about it. I think it's a possibility. Okay. I mean, to me, you know, I come from, as I said, I, don't, I had to say that, I come from a negotiating background. I always try to find a formula. But I learned one thing. A formula will never succeed unless you have consensus by a majority. Consensus. Sure, absolutely. If you can get that consensus, they don't need to agree on anything except we want an end to the conflict. Show me one tribal leader who said, I don't want an end to the conflict. There's none. That's what you need. True. That's what you need. Great. And if you sample that and you say to me, come on, I want to show you, I'll shut my mouth. I just want to watch. <laughs> I'll say not a single word. It will happen. I will invite you. Definitely. So. Maybe we can, something can have come out of this. Definitely. And anybody can do it. If anyone can do it, I'm looking at it. And I say this with the highest compliments. Thank you. And I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And I can't thank you enough for taking the That's time. That's very kind of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page. And stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.